You're listening to Masters of Web 3, presented by Transac. Join your hosts, Sammy Start, Transac co-founder and CEO, and former CNBC money journalist, Megan DiMaggio, for an exclusive look into the stories behind the world's most well-known Web 3 startups. Each episode, we will interview the high-profile founders, developers, and innovators building the world's most widely adopted blockchain protocols. Hear the highs and lows they've experienced along their journey from the people behind the tech that's changing our world. Let's get into the show. Make it as easy as possible for mainstream users to buy crypto within your decentralized app or wallet. Onboard more users to crypto, handle higher transaction volumes, improve conversions, and increase revenue through a simple developer integration. To learn more, visit transac.com. That's T-R-A-N-S-A-K dot com. This week's interview is super interesting and I can't wait to get into it. If I could, I would introduce any aspiring developer or founder in the Web3 space to Wesso, the lead developer and strategic partnership coordinator at Beefy Finance. With Masters of Web3, our goal is to try to bring you conversations with the founders and the top-level, kind of C-level people for all of these protocols and startups that are showing up in Web3 and crypto. But Beefy's a little different because it's a DAO, and so it was really fun to talk to Wesso and learn about the ins and outs of running a DAO, kind of the legal implications of that, how they the team chooses to structure their time. As you all might know, instead of employees, DAOs have what are called contributors. With that being said, let me tell you a little bit about Beefy. We brought Beefy on as a follow-up because in our first episode, we talked to Sandeep from Polygon. Beefy is a multi-chain yield optimizer that operates on lots of different chains, including... Phantom, Harmony, Arbitrum, and of course, Polygon. Make sure you go back and listen to episode one. It was a great conversation full of gems between Sammy, Transact's CEO and co-founder, and Sandeep Nywal, who is the co-founder of Polygon Technology. Now, Beefy occupies a very special niche on the Polygon chain. As a multi-chain yield optimizer, Beefy automates and optimizes different investment strategies, which allows investors and traders to benefit from the upside of complex farming protocols. So whatever kind of yield you're looking for, Beefy helps you optimize it to make sure that you're getting the most beneficial yield, depending on the particular trades that you made and what kind of cryptocurrencies you want those trades to result in. So Beefy is a unique protocol. Let's get into how they got started how the team operates as a DAO, and what developers can learn from Beefy's experience and DAO model if they are trying to build similar protocols in the crypto space. Let's get into it. The listeners probably know Beefy.com. Well, Beefy is the multi-chain yield optimizer that auto compounds your crypto for more earnings, Um, which again, makes sense in theory. But Prior to being a a journalist, I was a kindergarten teacher, so I always ask people, can you try to explain that, explain it like you would to a kindergartner, you know, like regardless of people's backgrounds, uh, if you had to really simplify what a multi-chain yield optimizer that auto compounds your crypto 
really is in simplistic language that a, that a young person could understand, how would you do that? How would you explain it to a kindergartner? Yeah, okay. Well, I can make it pretty easy. <laughs> so really, beefy, beefy is DeFi easy. So that's our whole goal is that it, we can simplify the whole DeFi process. So uh, when you come to, to utilize like yield farming and stuff like that, like you depositing in the, into beefy should be the easiest thing you do. And, and we kind of do all the hard work for you. So it's kind of like if you were, let's say that you had, I guess we can do like a uh, an example, but you had oranges, right? And you needed to stake these oranges. And then you earn you, <laughs> you earn apples on the side for staking your oranges. Like they, they, you know, the grocery store needs oranges, right? So they're going to give you some apples as a reward for staking your oranges. But really, you're only interested in, in just getting more oranges. You don't really care about apples, right? So what Beefy does is we get rid of those apples, we exchange them for more oranges, so that now your quantity, the amount of oranges you own, continues to increase. And so we do that basically across 700 different vaults and 14 different blockchains. So you deposit something into Beefy, and you just get more of whatever you deposited. And we do all of the auto-compounding work in the background. Okay, I love these like grocery store analogies. <laughs> I was trying to think of something that's easy to understand. <laughs> yeah, well, even your name Beefy kind of like has a grocery store, <laughs> yeah, grocery store analogy to it. Um, that's really interesting, and and I want to talk a little bit about like what yields come from, right? Like when people are staking mm-hmm. and t- taking these DeFi positions, and when they are staking uh, certain coins. Like from what I understand, there's different ways that that yield comes. And so, but people specifically are coming to Beefy because they want more of what they're staking, not because they are interested in other kinds of crypto. Okay. Okay. I love that. And so you said that you're operating on 14 different chains. This particular conversation is uh, going to go in tandem with a conversation that we had with Polygon. So um, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about like what you're doing on Polygon and how it's going. Yeah, so we launched on Polygon. I think it was our it was either our third or fourth blockchain. It was, it was a year ago. So <laughs> we've been we were one of the OG protocols that been on, ha, have been on Polygon. Um, and so we were part of all that excitement last year, the the run up. Um, and there was a whole bunch of like DeFi explosion uh, when it came to like the amount of yield you can earn because all of these different like products came out like iron and and stuff like that. And uh, so. So we continually build on on Polygon. I think we're now like this. We're still like the sixth or seventh largest in TVL, um, and so we we offer you know our yield optimizing services any way possible we can. So as new protocols continue to develop on Polygon, uh, like I know that the Mesh Swap just like launched, and so we're going to be doing some products around that or uh, Ovix. Um, we're you know we already partnered long time with QuickSwap and, and Cometh and. Uh, we have a, like a multi-chain partnership with Cheetow. So uh, we're very friendly with the whole Polygon ecosystem. And so, you know, we continue to work and to build and integrate those partnerships um, every day. We do that with all the different blockchains, but there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of new things that are kind of getting built on Polygon um, recently that are like launching. And so we're building a whole like, you know, suite of new products around uh, those those new protocols because Beefy itself is a middle layer DeFi product. So there's like that first layer, which is like the decentralized exchanges, the lending protocols, anywhere there is the actual yield. And then there is that, there's us, the, the middle layer that is like optimizing the yield. So 
uh, we're building on top of the other protocols. And then there are another layer on top of us that actually utilizes our tokens as interest bearing like uh, assets. And then you can do a whole bunch of like cool DeFi stuff with that. So we're like sandwiched right in the middle and we're like the, uh, this, you know, that middle layer, I guess, of DeFi. And, and we play that role on Polygon and we'll continue to build stuff and, and integrate with all the different ecosystem partners there. If you had to kind of like uh, categorize or, or quantify like the percentage of your transactions that you're doing on each of these 14 chains, uh, how much would be in Polygon compared to the others? Or is it so uh, fluid that it's hard to really think about it in it, terms I mean, of silos? I, we usually look at things like through like TVL, so the amount of like like value we have locked within our contracts on that blockchain, and I believe Polygon is our fourth largest, and it teeters between like three and four. Um, at one point, it was our largest, um, but like DeFi excitement is uh, just shifts, like it goes here to there, and, it, and then it comes back, and it's all dependent on what's going on and what's being built at that specific time, and how much like hype and, and uh, excitement is around those like new protocols or whatever is new and exciting there. Um, so it, it seems very obvious that with all of the stuff that's kind of like launching on Polygon, that there's going to be a lot of hype, and we're going to continue to grow in TVL there. But right now, and, and we have been pretty sustainable. Like the third or fourth, like largest blockchain we have is in TVL is on Polygon. Amazing. Are you are you at the point now where you can kind of start to predict like how that hype is going to shift, and like, or is it the does it surprise you every day? Like, do you wake up and you're like, oh, well, look at that, you know, like TVL grew <laughs> on Polygon overnight, and and you're able to kind of in hindsight pinpoint maybe why, like. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, they go through these cycles um, is what we've seen. Uh, so BFI has been around for uh, over a year and a half. So we're like one of the older, I guess, like DeFi protocols, especially when it comes to like off of ETH. Um, you know, there was only a, a couple blockchains of like, a, like um, almost two years ago that uh, were you know, able to be played on in the DeFi, like the DeFi world off of ETH. Now there's like, uh, you know, 20, 30 <laughs> or something like that. Um but so we've seen so with these each of these different blockchains that we've been on, we've seen these like, these cycles. They go through like a, a hype cycle where they get everybody gets really excited. There's a whole lot of building that's done, new products launched. There's really high yield, um, and it seems like all the TVL rushes there, and you know it becomes like you know crazy for at least like a month or two, um, and then it like the yields sort of die off a little bit, and something else is popping on another blockchain, and so then it seems like people then chase and go to that next blockchain. Um, I'd say that like Polygon, uh, Avalanche, Phantom, like they've actually, they've held consistent like TVL and activity. So they always have something going on, right? So they, they go through like, there was definitely like an extreme hype cycle uh, last summer, uh, but it's still like, there's always something going on. There's still things happening. There's still like protocols that are launching. Uh, and so I think now we're starting to see like this bubbling of excitement on Polygon. Uh, that I think we'll, like, you know, we'll see into like a, maybe another cycle, but uh, you know, I, it's the same thing with other blockchains as well. Like these new ones that are launching, I think there will be like a shift in TVL is like the hype and starts to build up there, and we've seen that already happen. So that's exciting. So take us back to the BV origin story. You said you've been around for about a year and a half. Like, how long were you? conceptualizing beefy prior to deciding to launch it like take us to take us to those early days those early moments 
so so beefy's i think pretty unique uh i came on to beefy as a contributor in february of 2021 beefy launched so i was actually an investor and user uh like in november of 2020 and beefy launched in uh, october um so the founders had there was four founders and uh i think that their whole idea was to uh, maximize the yield opportunities that at that time were on BSC. Um, it was coming off of ETH. BSC transactions were like pennies. Pancake swap launched. There was these extreme yields, and there was nobody optimizing all of that. And so, Beefy was a fork of Yearn V1, and that's how it sort of got its origin. Is like, okay, let's like I want to be able to maximize my own yield. Like, let's make this and build this as an opportunity. But I think the, the whole goal was it to be like this DAO and then the founders to hand it off to the DAO to completely run. And so over the course of the last year, that has completely happened. So now there's like no founding members that are actually part of BV or actively or well, there's one that's uh, on a, like a mentorship role, but the rest are not actively contributing anymore. BV is completely run by its contributors now. So um so Beefy started as like, hey, a project to optimize yield because it, you know, be nice to have, right? <laughs> and now it's built into this like contributor-run, full DAO-run uh, organization that is, I think, the I think we're like thirty-third or thirty-fourth largest in TBL across um, all of the protocols in DeFi. Uh, so it's it's quite <laughs> like interesting to see how we ended up after just being like a, you know, uh, project that would be nice to have on BSC. <laughs> something much different like as you're sitting here talking i'm just like like the learning curve and like the amount of identity crises <laughs> crises that have probably or at least that i probably would have been feeling along the way like i'm just so curious how a person goes from and i think that this applies to so many people that are in this space right like they're they're devs or they're dev minded or they're tech minded and or they're financial you know financially inclined but either way you know they they get into these projects because there's a need and it's such a burgeoning innovative space that it's like it's it's easy for anybody to be like hey i see something that needs to be done i'm gonna do it um but then like to grow that into like the volume that of transactions that are being uh that are you know that are occurring uh and like all of the different legal structures and DAO structures and, and and like community structures that have to be put into place in order to scale to sustain that kind of growth and scaling along the way that's just it, first of all it's really impressive so congratulations uh but second of all i'm just so curious as you know so i'm self-employed I'm a, free, I'm a freelance writer um so i'm like i understand the learning curve that has to happen when you're starting something and scaling it and so what was that like like to kind of like how many different hats did you did you have to wear and when you started did you have any kind of like concept that it would grow into something like this and how did you kind of hand it off into becoming the DAO that it is today successfully? I know there's a lot of questions in there, so <laughs> get started okay. and then I'll just keep prodding you. <laughs> so um, a little bit of background on, on me is uh, I actually come from um, running like business. I, I'm a, I used to work for a Fortune 50 company um, doing nothing, doing nothing with like coding or, or uh, Web3 or anything like that. Yeah, but so, so I have, you had that I have kind this, of that mindset of, of scaling and growing. Like you understood at least conceptually what it would take. Yeah, I was doing like high up stuff within a Fortune 50 company. And so um, 
when I came on to Beefy, it was actually like I did coding um, and development as like a hobby. And uh, I like was always interested in finance. Like that's where I have my education is in uh, is in finance. And so when I got to Beefy, it was more of like a, uh, hey, this would be fun to like contribute and to be part of this project. Um, but I started to see that like my skill set um, and the business background uh, was would really help a DAO <laughs> because uh, a DAO is it's a lot of contributors. So a lot of people that really want to participate and to help grow and have a vision and participate in that vision. Um, and a lot of really, I mean, some of the smartest developers and, and people you can meet, um, but a lot of them don't have, none of them have business backgrounds, right? They're all like, you know, either programming backgrounds. Um, some of them have finance backgrounds, um, but when it comes to actually running an organization, uh, now a lot of people have experience doing that. Uh, so, I started to see that, hey, there's all these opportunities to um, like organize ourselves better, um, to be able to do par- partnerships better, um, to be able to like really kind of build up the beefy brand in a certain uh, light, uh, and then to have vision on like how are we going to continue to grow, like what is our goal, and so I was able to come and bring all of that to beefy. And so, uh, so now we like we have this goal, right? Of you know, once we we want to have the most opportunities for users to participate in the beefy. So we'll continue to work with as many different protocols on as many different blockchains as we possibly can. So we'll continue that expansion of uh, giving all these opportunities to utilize beefy as an auto compounding service. Uh, we wanted to make DeFi easy. So even with our new version of our interface. You could see we give a whole lot of information. We have safety scores. We have historical APY, historical TVL. Um, you can make it so you can like zap into a liquidity pair with one asset. Um, so we're trying to do anything we can um, to make DeFi easier. And that even is working with Transic to be able to do some cool onboard offboarding um, or on-ramping, off-ramping type uh, opportunities to make it so that um, you know, that whole like process of having to go to a centralized exchange and then move your money to like your cryptocurrency address uh, and then maybe having the bridge. Like we're trying to eliminate all of the barriers to make it really easy for retail users to be able to come in, you know, play in this world. And so, um, you know, that's kind of our vision. And we've been now executing on that in every capacity we can. Um, and then, you know, like our partnerships have been flourishing because, now we have all of those skill sets, right? Like, so we have put really um, put a lot of pressure into like finding good business development people, and then really kind of making sure that once we have those relationships, that we strengthen them as plus, as much as possible. And we, it's a continual thing, right? Not like a, you know, one time like launch your project and then um, you know move on. You know, it's the continual development of that relationship and how we can continue to grow together and how we can each play a role in each other's growth um, that we try to execute. So we have sort of a different mindset, I think, than a lot of DAOs. We look at things from a, um, you know, strategic growth light, uh, not just, you know, trying to do things to do things or, you know, hey, like focused on development. It's really interesting. Like, you know, I'm coming at it from a totally different perspective, but as a writer, I'm trying to think about how Web3 NFTs and DAOs would help the publishing industry. And there's obviously, that could be a three-hour long conversation, but I'm like seeing a lot of replications of the things that I didn't like and I don't like about the traditional publishing 
industry, like, for example, contests. Like, there's, like, DAOs where people are giving away prizes to writers who write the best content. And, like, that's not really what I really liked about the the old publishing industry. You know, like, I don't really necessarily believe in creative writing contests. It's a business model that works, but, like, how is it? So, and, and not to get too far down that rabbit hole, but to your point of, like, you know, DAOs are such a, an experimental place right now. And there are people that are trying old models to see how they would fit in. There's people that are trying totally different, completely new, innovative models that may pucker out or they may be successful, but really coming in with strategy um, to create something that's valuable, that has long-term growth and scalability, um, that, you know, it can, I can tell that there was a strategic <laughs> brain behind the, behind Beefy from the very beginning. Um, I'm curious, like, was there a transition period where, like, and you don't obviously have to get into too many specifics, but I'm curious just about, like, the legal structures and, and how you kind of balanced, you know, operating within this, this fiat world that we live in, um, creating the kind of corporate or legal structures that were necessary um, in order to run a business entity and then kind of like how you were able to transition that over into being something that's more autonomous. I've seen lots of different uh, possibilities exist as far as like choosing where to incorporate. Do you incorporate? Um, what's like your, your leadership structure like? What's the voting structure like um, when it comes to making decisions and are, is everybody involved in making decisions uh, at the highest level or just very particular decisions like once the kind of like founders or, or governing board, you know, distills those decisions down to like maybe three options? So like, could you talk a little bit about kind of that transition, that transition process and how you're able to kind of strike a balance between an autonomous organization and one that has to have like the legal and financial structures in place in order to, to run and be profitable? Yeah, so it's a, I think, continual evolution in how we operate. So we're continuing to get larger and larger. And so because of that, we have to. So we have we have 16 paid contributors that are on like a reoccurring monthly basis. And then we have about like 14 that are either get like bounty payments or strategist fees or um, mo moderation payments. So um we have like a, it's getting bigger. The team's getting bigger. Um, and so there's, there's so much done to like, I mean, we could, we could spend like in a whole hour talking about this, but. I know. I like thought 45 minutes was sufficient. Now I'm starting to get like anxiety. <laughs> like I'm sweating. <laughs> Just like, I want to talk about all the things. <laughs> there's, so there's, there's, this is really kind of two questions, right? So one is like, how do you operate as a legal entity? And right now we don't like, so we're sort of like that pirate in the middle of like uncharted waters. Right. So we don't really have a home base. We're just a organization of contributors from all across the globe. No physical location. No physical location, right? And so, uh, and not one of us actually like controls anything with Beefy. So it's all open source. Um, actually, Beefy can we can all like leave, and somebody else can just spin up the app and like connect it to the contracts and still run just Beefy, right? So it's that kind of organization. Um, so now, but we're we're like trying to see how. We're paying attention to everything that's sort of happening, right? So where these like um, DAOs are allowing to be registered, um, you know, what are the pros, what are the cons of that? And so we've been kind of like a wait and see uh, reaction type. So we'll see exactly how everything sort of develops and sort of what's put into place that are restrictions 
on how we're allowed to operate. Uh, and then we can kind of react to that. Uh, th this is There's so much happening right now in that area of like the legal side of it that it's really hard for anybody to make a decision and say, this is 100% what you're supposed to do or this is 100% what you're not. Um, so when we have that guidance, we'll be able to adjust to that. Um, so it, it's been... I think it's just, you know, right now we're able to operate, right? But there really hasn't, there's been some like talk about how, especially like in the United States, about like how DeFi is supposed to exist and, and what are the potential regulations on that. Um, but nothing's like actually firmed or in stone. And so I think we're kind of waiting out and to have like those 100% guidance um, put into place. And then we'll be able to then work with like a legal team on how we need to prepare and operate BV. But from this point, we're just a DAO, right? So we're a organization that's going to continue to operate that's completely open source that anybody sort of can run if the contributors run and we're all contractors to the DAO. So even myself, just a contractor that the DAO, uh, you know, compensates in order to do, you know, my responsibilities for the DAO. And so that's sort of how we're operating at this point. Um, and then on the other side of your question, the, the lead, like how do we operate as like an organization uh, so we have elected or um, through like DAO governance, uh, like 14 core contributors. And so those are who get the monthly reoccurring salaries and it's paid in USDC um, so that they can basically just like they were point to have a normal job. They can come and work at Beefy and get a stable uh, currency as a salary and continue to contribute no matter what the market is doing. Um, yeah. No, no, <laughs> no, but you get... Yeah, just like if you're going to file taxes for anything else in crypto, right, you'll you'll have the two-year address, you know, what you get paid. And then there's the governance proposal that's approved, right? Um, and so everything's very transparent when it comes to our treasury. We actually have a section called treasury in our Discord. Um, all of the um, spending for the, any of the treasury multi-sigs are done right there, and all the transaction history is posted. Uh, right now, and I'd say we'll always continue on this path, is that any sort of Treasury spend needs to be approved as a DAO decision. So as a beefy holder, you'll always have the ability to approve spend in any sort of sense. So if we're going to spend on a marketing venture or we're going to spend on our contributor salaries or we're going to spend on um, a conference, um, that all gets approved through DAO governance and then executed via our treasury keepers, which is like seven people that are on a multi-sig. Wow, that's so fascinating. Um, and I want to actually, this is a great transition because I want to talk about the beefy token um, in a minute, so. but kind of, I guess, teeing up to that, the next question, um, I saw some, I saw a post on Twitter a couple of months ago and it was like, <laughs> it was something like that moment when everybody realizes that these governance tokens that they've been buying up is, are actually going to require that they vote. <laughs> Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, you said that all of the spending, treasury spends get uh, approved through through the governance structure. So I'm assuming that anybody who owns the beefy token, like, has input in these kinds of decisions. Um, like, how often are they required to vote? How, like, how laborious is that for these holders? And what kind of engagement are you getting? Like, based on, like, is everybody that owns voting? And how do you kind of balance that? Yeah, um, so... Participation governance is, I think, 20% right now, which is not bad. Um, we we try to make it as easy and like uh, to see and to find those activities as possible. So every time there's a DAO governance vote, it's posted like and 
at everybody inside our Discord. So like we're trying to, anybody who's in the Discord that's talking, that's an active like BV holder gets pinged that, hey, like you should go vote. Um, we actually put out tweets that say, hey, here are our upcoming proposals, please make sure you go to vote. So we try to actively um, pursue participation in governance because it's important. I think that if you're holding BV, you should have a say and be able to uh, vote your mind on um, whatever the proposal is. And so we actually have another like section that people can come and talk about the proposals and um, let us know their feedback or any guidance on if they're voting against it, like, you know, what needs to be improved or how can we, um, you know, how can we adjust the new proposal in order to accommodate, you know, whatever the requests are. Um, so yeah, anybody who, you know, in this, in a sense, we, we want everybody to participate in governance. And so we actually have I mean, we talk to partners who, you know, have stake in Beefy and, and they're actively participating in governance. Everybody wants, you know, if you have the success of the Beefy token uh, or the Beefy as a protocol in mind, then we want you to come and actively, you know, use your knowledge and be able to vote your share and give us feedback on uh, how the protocol should continue to execute. And so, so do you classify so, the BV token as a governance token or a utility token, or is it kind of a hybrid? Yeah, so I mean, um, it, it's a governance token, but it also, I mean, the utility of the BV token is that you can stake it on any of the 14 different blockchains. So on the BV app on the any of the 14 different blockchains. And the BV um, revenue that we get from that specific blockchain, um, you get in native token. So if you're staked on... Uh, let's say Polygon, uh, all of like, I think it's like actually 67% of our revenue goes directly into an earnings pool where you could stake Beefy and then earn the Matic token. So, um, and then people, if they choose, they instead want to earn more Beefy, you actually could stake it into the Beefy Maxi Vault, which is really just staking it into the the governance pool. So the, the Matic pool. And it's harvesting those rewards and then actually just buying more beefy with it. Um, so kind of going back to that apples and oranges analogy. Yeah, exactly. So instead of like you're saying, okay, well, this is great. Like I'm instead of using the earnings to earn like Matic, it sells those Matic earnings for more beefy. And so, um, yeah, so those are like our, earn that's our earnings distribution method. And I, I think we have one of the larger, um, I'd say percentages of stakers of their token um, out of any protocol. We are upwards of like a month or so ago of like 90% of our entire uh, token supply was staking earnings. Um, so the method to like basically redistribute our earnings as a protocol to our stakers has played well for us. I mean, it seems like that's a, a very in-demand thing for us to share our earnings. And you can also use it for like um, collateral on uh, Cheetah, which is one of our partners and um, so we, we've been using, trying to find more and more use cases for the BP token. So let's talk a little bit about the actual on-ramp process. Um, I want to talk about kind of the poly, I was in my mind, I was like, it's the polygon trifecta BV or sorry, polygon transact BV trifecta. Like, can you walk no. us through the process, um, of like where you, where transact will be plugging into the BV user experience and, um, a little bit about how that's supporting, your goals as an organization? Yeah, so uh, right now, Transac is our exclusive uh, fiat on-ramp, um, which is very important because uh, before we were partnered with Transac, like I said, you'd have to go through some centralized exchange or find your on-ramp somewhere else. Uh, so right now, and actually, I think I we I know <laughs> we've talked to other people who use Transac through Beefy 
not even to to participate into Beefy as a protocol, but just to on ramp. <laughs> because you can <laughs> you can just go there and then be able to like, you know, get your you know onboarded into the uh, crypto ecosystem through like the Beefy site. And it's like lower fees and I guess maybe more appealing than a than a than a Coinbase or something like that. And it's easy. Like depending on whatever your um your asset you're onboarding with, it could be from a few minutes to, you know, maybe ten minutes depending on like the longest time frame. So Instead of you as a user having to go through, okay, centralized exchange, buy something, pay the fees there. So you're paying the fees from like, you know, fiat on ramping them from the exchange fees to whatever asset. And then you have to withdraw and then you get to like whatever, you know, it just makes it so much easier to do it, uh, you know, via Transec and via Beefy. And so, yeah, we're, we're looking for more innovate. We're going to partner with more innovation to be able to make that process even more seamless. So how can we continue to interact with DeFi uh, making it really easy to do it from fiat to, you know, being in a beefy vault and participate in that manner. I love that. So beefy wrote on its medium. I've looked at your medium today and I was loving it. Whoever does your, your writing is like really great. <laughs> um, <still> be <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, these are just like poignant. It was like, everything was a manifesto. <laughs> it was great. Um, and so I found this, I'm going to read you a quote, and I, I found it particularly interesting because, like I said, my background is writing for mainstream money publications about general personal finance advice. Um, and so I'm always looking at everything through that lens, like who is my CNBC reader who's sitting, you know, who's at home, like trying to figure out how they're going to spend their weekend, are they going to mow their lawn, or are they going to like, I don't know. People are just kind of trying to, I think, make the most of what they have, right? And people, there's a concern that inflation is going up and there's a concern that, um, you know, the value, as I'm sure everybody in the crypto world knows that the value of do- the dollar is going down and people are having to make decisions about how they're going to send their kids to college and how they're going to fund their retirement, you know, and, and all of these kinds of thoughts are swirling around as they're just trying to kind of get through their, their, their nine to five jobs and fulfill their responsibilities at home, right? Like that's the reader that I've been writing to for the last four years. So um, I found this quote particularly interesting because I was like, it's it's one of the reasons why I love writing about crypto and I've been so drawn to writing about crypto over the last couple of months. So the quote, is, or the, the, the quote from your blog was, those who have a vague desire to achieve their financial goals without ever taking any specific and deliberate action to make it happen, and those who run the numbers and are ready to seize the opportunity when they see it. So you said there are two kinds of people, those who have the vague desire to achieve their financial goals and those who run the numbers and who are ready to seize the opportunity when they see it. And I found it really interesting because as somebody who, you know, I've been writing for the general kind of mainstream audience, and I think I'm writing to people who aren't necessarily the, the running the numbers type. They're the ones who are maybe more just look, listening for the passive financial advice. But I, but I had the unique perspective of being somebody who was interviewing a lot of financial experts who were running the numbers every single day. And the more that I was in this kind of in-between bridge position, I was like talking to these people over here who are making these financial decisions, but then giving a different advice to the people who were, who were soaking up the financial content, right? Um, a lot of it is like about, you know... Um, I kind of just started to realize that people aren't necessarily clued in with everything that is possible when it comes to finances. 
and people who are getting advice aren't necessarily privy to the best and most accurate information, you know, and the people who are giving the advice are the ones who are here getting, um, yeah, getting access to like the information as fast as it's coming out. And, and so anyway, there's a, there's, there's a divide. And, and one of the things that I'm noticing about crypto is that it's appealing to people who are looking for alternative ways to take their wealth into their own hands. But I am really curious if you see DeFi as something that mainstream people are going to find accessible and are going to see as a solution, or if it's if it's not quite there yet, you know, like, um, does DeFi offer a better solution to this kind of global sentiment that maybe the underdogs or the everyday person can't get ahead? Or does DeFi pe- appeal to people with perhaps enough wealth or, or enough high enough risk tolerance that they can get into these potential rewards? But if it doesn't necessarily work out, it's, you know, it was a fun experiment. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. I think we're seeing everything. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's 100% those people that are um, coming in and they have enough wealth and they're able to make like a thing, what they would think is intelligent gambling decisions, basically speculating on whatever the asset is that they're, you know, um, going to go ahead and, and um, buy or farm or whatever. And so, you know, you'll see that like, you know, with, some of these, you know, they'll launch a governance token or protocol and you'll see really, really high rates of return. And people will then, okay, well, they'll be, you know, go in, try to farm that because they see, oh my God, I'm going to make like, you know, 10% a day or 5% a day or something like that. As the asset, you know, devalues incredibly, diff, you know, fast and it actually is outpacing the amount of return you're getting. And and so we actually, I think crypto has like this manifesto of like, do your own research, right? Like, you should be. You shouldn't just go and buy something because you see the numbers, or you you somebody told you to, do, or somebody on Twitter told you to do it. There's more to this just that than like, hey, like you know, we don't want to be the ones at risk, right? It, it, it's more of like, um, you should fundamentally understand what you're investing in. So, if you're going to invest in Beefy, I would hope that you know exactly why you're investing into Beefy. You're buying Beefy because you believe in the protocol's growth, right? You know that it's uh, earning, you know, its earnings is, you know, it's revenue producing and it's distributing its earnings to its stakers. You know, you believe in the core team that is uh, leading Beefy. So you've done your research on, on you know, what Beefy is, what we do, how we operate, how our earning structure works. Like so. I think that, you know, that's sort of what's lacking. You know, everybody sees like this like high rate of return and they're sort of like going by the guidance of others in order to make their investment decisions. And and so Beefy itself is trying to uh, help stop that a little bit. We, you know, we, we live by the whole do, do your own research stuff, but now we're actively putting stuff on our user interface that's like, hey, here's some information about the asset that you're investing in. Here's some historical APY. So you could see that, hey, maybe this APY is not going to, last forever right or the tvl of the vault uh, website direct links to their website so we're trying to give you more information so it makes even the like due diligence part easier yeah yeah um, and there's a balance I- there's a balance with due diligence right like you want to assume that your users and that your community members are are intelligent and capable and you know you certainly don't want to babysit or 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 create so such strong due diligence processes that it's it's just like a regulation you know all over again and it's it's actually creating an impediment like you want to create encouragement and incentivize participation but you also want to make sure that the information is 
is accurate and accessible and part of the onboarding process. Yeah, I think our viewpoint is, uh, you know, we're not going to disqualify an asset to be on Beefy because we don't believe in the project. Um, what we do is we do uh, thorough security reviews of the contract code. So we make sure that like exploit vectors are gone. Um, stuff that we've seen from our year and a half of experience, things that have been exploited in the past. Um, I mean, you know, bad oracles, uh, you know, having uh, privileged functions controlled by one address. Um you know, large amounts of token supply controlled by the development team at one address. We look for like very specific security exploits. Um, and if like somebody has that, we either work with the protocol to make sure that they're taken care of or we don't partner with them. And so that's what we're looking for when we're doing like our safety. It's not about whether or not a token or protocol is going to succeed. Um, you know, that's up to, you know, we're not going to make those decisions, right? That should be your decision on whether you want to invest in that asset. And that should be the do your own research part, right? Like, do you believe in whatever this asset is that you're buying? We're more of like looking out for like the, uh, you know, inherent exploitable things within the contract code um, that could happen and protecting our users from that. And so I think... That's a big reason why we've gotten so much participation into Beefy as a protocol is that we give like this sense of the, hey, we're, we are doing the technical research for you, <laughs> but on the actual like business side of whatever you're investing in, that's your part. Mainstream adoption is, I think, still a ways away. And I think we need to, I, all of us as big protocols are, are starting to, are trying to make that access a little bit easier, right? So how can we simplify things? Because right now the complexity of just learning how to participate in this is very difficult. Um, so even when you talk about crypto, you're just explaining like Bitcoin, right? Like you're just like, okay, here's what Bitcoin is and how it does. People look at you. That's what I would say you. most readers would, would, that's it, you know? Like if I was to yeah. do a poll of all the, the people that I've been writing to for the last four years, that they would know Bitcoin and maybe Ethereum, maybe. But they, they know the name Bitcoin. <laughs> what, what it does and how it works is a whole different thing. And I think like you, you start to talk to people, you know, you start to get that eye glaze a little bit. Like people are just like looking at you like, are you speaking a different language a little bit? And so this is why we've so, all had to go on to discord channels just so that we can have people like peers, peers to talk to. <laughs> yes. Just ask those questions. Right. Like, uh, you know, that's what we're here to do. And I think that's why like having an active community helps that. Cause everybody's like, Oh, well, I'll, you know, let's talk about this. So, but I think like that learning curve of like, even like just learning about blockchain and how to participate in like web three and how to participate in De uh, DeFi, uh, you know, that's, that's gotta get a little bit easier to do. And I think, um, then it's the, like, as a, at a protocol level, like, how do we th make things simpler? And I think you're seeing a lot of, a lot of the big protocols that have been around for a while. I mean, that's the next really step is like how we're always trying to innovate and to be able to, you know, make things just a little bit easier to use and a little bit easier to understand. And, and so that's like, I mean, a goal I think we're all trying to do, but we're not, I mean, we're definitely not there where it's super easy for mainstream users to um, get into crypto. Right now, I think there has to be an appetite for learning in order to really participate. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think Transact will come into play because right now, like you said, the centralized exchanges are such a uh, common and popular point for onboarding. I mean, that's how I, that's, what was oh. your first purchase, your first crypto purchase? Bitrix. That's what I <laughs> It was a bit tricks. Um, 
but uh yeah my, my actually my like i think it was like 2012 or something like my cousin was like oh like i was having because I, I would like like i said i graduated in green finance and so i was like always interested in the stock market and so we were talking about stocks and he's like no you gotta you gotta like get into this bitcoin i'm like yeah okay whatever <laughs> <laughs> and so uh then like five years later i actually you know started to really kind of dig in and do the research into it but um just kind of funny. Like <laughs> the opportunities sometimes happen and they go and. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny. I actually met somebody who met, who met Vitalik in, in like in Canada, I guess it was Toronto at the time. He was like starting a, just like a weekly crypto meetup. <laughs> and I met him here in New York actually at an event. Like a, there's a, there's a crypto meetup on wall street that happens once a month. And he was like, that's my biggest regret was that I met Vitalik in Toronto. And I was like, Oh, that guy's, that guy's, kind of quirky. Oh, he's kind of cool. All right, whatever. But then walked away and stopped going to the, the weekly crypto meetup. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> that is probably the worst, I think, like, uh, or deepest regret that I've heard from people. But it always makes me feel better to hear whenever people in the space, such as yourself, admit that the first time you heard about it, you were like, eh, I don't know, I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a concept that I think you have to you know, definitely like look into, right. It's not like, Oh, you're like, what is that? Cause it's so, it was at the time, I mean, especially back then it was something that's like not been really heard of before. It's like so new and didn't know like a lot about it. Yeah. I didn't associated know, like, it with, it. with the Silk Road, like in my mind, Bitcoin and it, Silk Road were the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely early, but Hey, like, uh, you know, I, once all the, the Ethereum launched and all the excitement around like, you know, the potential of like what you could build there, I mean, that's when I really started to get interested into like blockchain in general. So, okay, so we could talk forever and ever and ever. I, I'm free if you're if you're free, but I hear your Discord uh, alerts going I'm so off. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like I get it. I totally understand. You probably have so many things to do. So my last question is like, and interpret this however you would like. Uh, how does someone become the next master of Web three? Because <laughs> that's the name of our podcast. Yeah, I think you have to have the. Um, the drive to really learn as much as you possibly can. Um, so that's always, I think, the biggest hurdle is that uh, this is all so fresh and so new that nobody is really uh, an expert or has like a huge background on it. Um, so you may have a programming background, you may have a business background, a finance background, uh, and you want to come and participate in Web3 and you want to build here. Um, really, it's getting to know everything, right? Like. <laughs> getting to understand uh, all the technical side of it, um, getting to understand all the protocols and what they're building and what they're trying to achieve, um, the how each of the different ecosystems is starting to get built up, um, how the different blockchains are starting to run. And so I think uh, there's just so much learning that needs to be done uh, in order to really be a successful member uh, in the Web3 community, especially at, at a protocol level. Um, and then it's just actively like participate right go and talk to other people go talk to other builders um i think that's literally my personal growth has been because of talking to all of the different partners and builders within the space and the people that are contributors to beefy and learning from them and just uh soaking it in i guess a sponge as much as possible right because there's so many people who are, are so intelligent and want to share and want to help you succeed because they want Web3 to succeed. So they you know, see people who are really ambitious and encouraged to want to build and they want to help guide you. And so just take those opportunities, you know, participate in a DAO, be able to 
you know, take the learnings that you get there, um, actively try to contribute to learn. And, and that's what you'll need. <laughs> you'll be on, on the right road to be able to master, master Web3. I love that. I love that. Be a sponge. And that's such a good reminder, too, that everybody's invested. That was, I think, again, I've been writing about crypto for a couple of months, and I'm totally hooked. It didn't take very long. And I think that was definitely one of the reasons, like one of the most notable feelings that I experienced was just how invested everybody is. And I thought everybody was being very generous. And they are. Like, everyone's very generous with knowledge and information, uh, sharing. It comes, obviously, because I think people are generous by nature and and it attracts the people who are generous. But I think there's also something deeper, which is that everybody's really invested and wants it to work out. So it's like everyone has automatic skin in the game, which is something yeah. to think about. It's an, it's, we, all want the, we all want it to succeed. So we're all playing our role, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Amazing. Well, this is such a fun conversation. Um, I hope we get the chance to talk again, either at an yes. event coming up or hopefully we can bring you on the podcast again. Um, Sounds great. Because I feel like we just scratched the surface. And at that was the, so much fun to talk about. <laughs> I know, right? But at the same time, yes. we covered a lot and I appreciate you handling and fielding all of my questions so graciously. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. You've been listening to Masters of Web3, a Transac podcast. Stay connected with us by subscribing to the show, giving us a review, and sharing this episode with one of your friends on Twitter. We know you hang out there. (laughs) If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us to keep delivering the best and latest stories on blockchain technology right to your ears. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been Masters of Web3. 